The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. As we continue this session of meditation, but before I offer you a little guided meditation, I'd like to tell you, maybe you could keep your eyes closed if you'd like, just take it in. I'd like to tell you a story of what happened to me this morning. I had to go to the hospital to get a little blood test relatively routine test. And I was waiting in the lobby for my turn to register. And the woman who was registering people was talking to the person ahead of me that there was no order for his lab tests. So she couldn't do anything. And I don't know what he said, but she talked to him for a while, explained it, couldn't do anything. And then she said, I can't promise you anything, but later in the day when the doctors come in, I will try to find out what's going on and call your doctor and check in and I'll call you back. And then it was my turn to go up to her. She said hello very nicely to me. And And then she looked over in the lobby and saw a person sitting there who had something unusual about them, probably some kind of medical condition. She made this beautiful comment about that person. Now look at that person, how beautiful that person is, how nice. And then she looked up at me with a big smile and she said, "Uh, aren't people great? Aren't people wonderful? And I said to her, this must be a great job you have here, sitting here at the desk receiving people. You can appreciate people all day. She said, yes. And then I said, but it must also be a little hard to a lot of people who come here to get labs. They must be anxious about something medical going on. And she said, oh yes. And then she proceeded to tell me with great clarity, understanding, the kind of stresses people come to when they come to get their labs work done at the hospital. and I could feel her compassion, but she was smiling and didn't seem to diminish her appreciation of people and people she encountered. And, and for today so far, this woman at the hospital was the embodiment of Brahma Viharas, embodiment of goodwill, kindness, compassion, caring. And through it all, so kind of equanimity, a kind of balance. 
She also expressed joy. She told me in the brief moments we had how she was going to retire to a different part of the country where people had much more time. And how she got distracted and didn't drive off when the light turned green. And rather than the car behind her honking, everyone behind, people behind her just smiled, laughed a little bit and waited for her. And she was happy. She said that probably wouldn't have happened on the peninsula. So as you're sitting here now, can you remember a time in your life when you had something like this woman's appreciation and delight in people? Maybe for particular people or maybe strangers or just generally. Some time when maybe you were relatively relaxed, maybe on vacation or not working or something where there was a feeling inside or an attitude inside of you of appreciation of other people. And what were the conditions that allowed you to have that appreciation that prompted it for you? Is there something that was going on at that point in your life or something that was not going on that made it easy for that to come forth from you? You're appreciating others. And what was it like for you to have appreciation of others. Just in your own privacy of your own heart, your chest, your mind. Maybe a time when you don't have, didn't have to act on it or do anything. Maybe you were sitting and watching children playing in the park or some circumstance. What was it like for you to have a simple appreciation of people. As you sit here now, <clears throat> is there some way that now you can tap into a capacity for yourself to appreciate others? Or 
perhaps it's helpful to think of it at times when you, right now you don't have to do anything to get involved with others. So keep it really simple. Do you have some capacity to feel goodwill, generosity of spirit, kindness, friendliness? Then bring to mind some person that you could think of, particular person for whom it's maybe at this point in time easiest for you to feel appreciation and goodwill. It's easy for you and simple and straightforward, uncomplicated to wish this person happiness and success and well-being. Perhaps bringing this person's image of the person up or some memory of the person. See if you can, as you breathe, as you sit here relaxing into your body, almost as if maybe your heart or your body does this. See if you can bring up that appreciation and goodwill in a certain kind of quiet, peaceful, but active way. Hope for, wish for this person, this be happy. So that the caring part of your heart meets this person, holds the person in the embrace of your care and friendship and goodwill. And then for this person for whom it's easy to have goodwill for. And doing this here in the meditation, meditation center, maybe the person's not here. Nothing's needed from you. You don't have to solve anything or do anything except sit and breathe and be with your goodwill. And perhaps you could also simultaneously feel a certain equanimity around that goodwill, meaning that the goodwill is simple, 
There's no agit, maybe no agitation, no reactivity to having it. Just is, here, now. And to, and to feel how that's different than anxious concern for someone else or hesitant concern when the mind re- is reacting. Just simple goodwill, balanced, relaxed, unreactive, open. Oh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Dharma practice day. And um, for those of you who are, might be new to this kind of day, the Dharma practice day is a day to explore some particular topic in the Dharma, some practice topic. And uh, that's a little bit more actively engaged in the topic than we would be if you just read a book or Dharma, listened to the Dharma talk. And... Um, let me see, there's, is that someone's water under that chair? I'm just wondering, someone might easily tip it over. Maybe you can put it up on, 
I mean, just maybe on just on the side of the stage, so that. So um, the um, so to explore some topic and also to explore it more actively, but also explore it more in community, in such a way that you're more personally engaged. So you're not just the consumer of the Dharma, the recipient, the passive recipient, but you're actually engaged. Um, hearing yourself or exploring it in new ways and engage in an active way so that the learning and the exploration of these practice topics uh, can be integrated with your being, with who you are, but also with your practice so it comes alive, hopefully, in some way. So there'll be some chance for conversations with other people around these topics as well through the day. And the theme for this year is... um, the Brahma-viharas, which I like to think of as the four forms of love that are championed in Buddhism. They are the four kind of social virtues that are held up in high esteem by the tradition. And that is um, metta, karuna, mudita, and upekka, usually translated as loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And the loving-kindness is goodwill. Compassion is... Uh, caring and wishing for others to suffer less and sympathetic joy is having joy and and delight when other people have success and happiness and equanimity is the most uh, maybe difficult to understand because um, we don't often associate equanimity with love because we associate equanimity with indifference or staying cool or balanced and kind of self-contained and not not involved But equanimity is uh, considered to be a very beautiful form of love or way of relating to people, a very profound one. And um, I think the most, maybe one of the most useful access points to understand the value of equanimity is as a partner for the other three. So loving kindness, this goodwill, or compassion especially. uh, Both of those can be a source of becoming imbalanced, somehow tipping over too far in some direction or other being a little bit with loving kindness perhaps you know if it gets really extreme you fall in love with the person and just can't keep your hands off them or something you know, lean towards someone and you know a little bit too much and compassion overdone perhaps can be like you you feel responsible you feel anxious you start getting actively fixing the problem because something has to be done and so you kind of lose your balance there as well and equanimity keeps uh, love and compassion uh, balanced uh, so we're not uh, inappropriately reactive, inappropriately getting uh, worked up around it, uh, or leaning forward too far into the situation the wrong way, but can stay balanced in it. And the topic for today is equanimity, and um, and but I really want to present it as built uh, build on the other ones and support the other ones. And part of the reason for that, I want to. Uh, this is the way it's been most useful for me to see it that way. And. Um, and I've done a very, very little formal equanimity practice. In our tradition, we have meditation practice on equanimity, um, most often done with an equanimity phrases as done like, as part of the practice. And um, I've done very, very little, so I, I don't really feel even qualified to teach you those because I like to teach what I have done myself. I mean, I'd certainly offer you a little bit, you know, what I've learned about it as opposed to what I've practiced it. But equanimity has been an important topic for me, but not as a meditation practice, but as with all the Brahma Viharas, 
as an attitude in daily life, an attitude in my life as I live my life, they're reference points. They're something I explore, try to understand, and try to touch into and bring forth as I, as I go, about, go about my life. So the idea of loving kindness, um, I carry with me often, you know, wondering, you know, where is, that, where is the kindness? Where is the love? Where is the, the appreciation of other people? Can I tap into it? Can I find it in this situation? And, um, and you know, can I live that way as opposed to, uh, you know, the traffic is not moving fast enough for me. You know, I'm, don't people realize I'm late? And what are these people doing driving? And they're not driving very well. And what do they do, do driving a car that's neon pink? And that shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, and that person, this person, you know. And that's a whole other attitude, right? And so I can continue with that kind of being grumpy. But I, I, don't, I prefer not to. And I don't want to make myself Pollyannish and uh, pretend, but I'd rather touch into my appreciation of the world than my uh, grumpiness about the traffic. So I'll check in, you know, can I open my... It's more, more a question of can I open my heart, can I open myself, can I be aware now in a way that's more appreciative of the situation rather than making myself have, you know, love. But it's a very important reference point. So all these Brahma Viharas, where's the compassion in this situation? And, um, and, you know, I was sitting in the lobby of the, at the hospital for the lab. And, um, you know, and so I, uh, um, you know, there was this, there was this uh, I think it was like a bodybuilding magazine, maybe, or people, a people magazine, something. It was a big buff person without a shirt on the magazine on the table next. So I could have been looking at that and had all kinds of ideas, feelings. But I found it was nicer to sit there in the lobby and just look at people. And some of them I thought looked that they could easily have been in some state of dis- distress around being there. And, and I thought it's nice, okay, it's, I'll have compassion. I'll just open up and, and be present this way. And because of that, I could hear the conversation of the woman with the person before me. If I'd got involved with this buff guy, I might have missed the conversation. And, you know, it was really great to hear her caring for this other guy. And uh, anyway, so it's an it's a attitude that I bring with me. It's a, something I practice with that way. That's the primary place. So in terms of exploring equanimity today, <clears throat> I think that's really the background for what we'll do today is more about how it integrates into everything else as opposed to how you can really make this a separate practice from everything else. But, uh, you know, it's, o- its own practice in and of itself. We'll talk a little bit about that, but, since, but uh, that's the background for it. Yes? So we need it even even louder. <clears throat> so let's see, is that be- better now? We can do it even louder. You would like it even louder? Okay. I'm waiting for the day when I reach the state of being such a venerable old teacher that like the Zen master in Japan, that he was so vener- venerated. People come from all over Japan to hear his Dharma talks. And uh, they would list, sit there in great respect and care and was meaningful. But he spoke with such a soft voice, no one ever heard him, what he had to say. <laughs> so that's my, you know, one of my hopes. <laughs> but apparently I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so, um, so, um, so in that guided meditation, I asked you to... Um, somehow tap into appreciation, loving kindness for some person, and then uh, consider that maybe there is some equanimity 
or there could be equanimity in this context doing it because nothing was required, you didn't have to decide anything, you didn't have to do anything, you, you know, you don't have to, you know, be kind to the person because you're safe from that, you're here. <laughs> you know, so whatever, whatever the issues are that would get your mind a little bit more activated around it if you actually saw the person and you just, you know, so there, in that sense, there maybe there was some equanimity here. You, so maybe I was hoping some of you can imagine feel, because you imagine what it would, would be like if you weren't equanimous, uh, the, how the goodwill that you had, that you tapped into, how it was in fact some kind of equanimity here that maybe you wouldn't have recognized other ways. Did any of you, any of you notice that? Yeah? So, or you're mystified by all this. Some of you notice this? So I'd like to hear a little bit what that was like for some of you. So maybe, so if you can... Use the mic. <laughs> so, um, I think it was the week. It might be nice to say your name, so we can. Oh, I'm Ellen. Uh-huh. The uh, week before last, I was coming from my water wiggling class at the Y. And oh, uh, Steve, can you check with the, someone's delivering something out there? Somebody, I think someone's looking for something. He's delivering something. Yeah. And I, that which usually puts me in a state of equanimity uh-huh. after doing water aerobics. And I'm driving home um, on a side street going pretty slowly and a person pulled out of a parking space in front of me without any warning, no signals or anything, jammed on my brakes, and a big, enormous truck hit me from the back. And, you know, we were all going quite slowly. And so I got out of my car, and I looked, and this was a young man driving this truck. And he wanted me to go around the corner. So I went around the corner, and I I didn't... um, I pulled over, and he wanted me to move someplace else. I said, no, I'm staying here. And then I get out of my car, and... I'm not injured. I mean, I, my neck a little snapped. And I look at the back of my car, and I can't see anything that's happened to my car. So I, you know, I said to him, look, it's okay. Not a problem here. And he was really nervous, but he was very nice. He stuck his hand. Uh, you know, he kept saying, are you all right? I'm so sorry. And so uh, just to make a long story short, uh, nothing happened. We shook hands. He told me that he got rear-ended the previous week when he had a little baby with him, and we exchanged a little talk, and then um, we shook hands and we went on our way. And I think that some of the elements that you were asking about, I was not feeling uh, jangled that day. I was sort of uh, feeling a bit equanimous. He was kind. He was concerned. If he had come out of that truck in a different frame of mind, my equanimity might have flown out the window, who knows. Um, so I think there was some sort of meeting of the minds there that was helpful also. And the fact that I wasn't hurt and my car really mm-hmm. wasn't in a little ding and that was uh-huh. it. Right. So there were a variety of conditions that supported you to be equanimous in that situation and, and kind. And, you know, to the Great, thank you. Some of the other, what it was like when I brought that into the meditation here? What, what did you touch into or consider? 
There's a right, right there to your right then. Oh, thank you. Just two Hi, uh, I'm Anne. Uh, I guess what I noticed was, um, I guess several people came, several situations came towards me when I was remembering it. And uh, I realized how dependent I am on the graciousness of other people. Mm. That I, I can be very, equi- I can have equanimity if someone else makes the first move and is really nice. Then I started to think, do I ever do it on my own? <laughs> <laughs> Much, much different, you know. Mm. I, I feel the ones I kept thinking of was when somebody did something really kind for me. So I feel so like... It helps, helps you relax, feel safe or something, and then you yeah. become equanimous. Yeah. Mm, that's a big, yeah. that's a great thing to see about, see about yourself. Well, I saw how dependent I am on yeah. the other people. That, yeah. that Usually I feel kind of nervous or not yeah. so sure that everybody likes me or something like that, so I don't feel that equanimity. But if somebody really says, yeah, no, really, come on, mm. then I feel fine. <laughs> yeah. So maybe equanimity practice would be nice for you to explore to see how you can... Uh, uh, bring this forth on your own rather than requiring it, you yeah, know, yeah. some response from other people. Yeah, I noticed a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else so far? You want to, yes. Well, I have name, a different perspective to offer. Name. That made me really angry. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, I, I think it, it's actually, I actually feel a lot of goodwill towards people mostly, but I think when you did it, it made me feel, I, I, with human beings, I can do it really easily with animals. Yeah. With human beings, I feel like this is so much work and it's, people are asking so much from me and I, I just mm. felt like, you know, even though mostly I just normally feel that way. Yeah. It, um, but yeah, that really so normally, you, normally, So normally you feel goodwill kind of equanimous goodwill but once you're but with people kind of around people then it easily gets they're wanting too much or it gets overwhelming it it, it feels overwhelming Mm. I mean obviously I'm bringing a lot to that of my own stuff but um, but yeah I mean I obviously I don't walk around not wanting people to be happy yeah I you know it would be natural for me to want them to Mm -hmm. but there's something about when I actually had to actively try to do it mm-hmm. and people have you know i've sat in like meta practice before too and usually with with people it's hard for me to do it but mm. i can switch to animals really easily and i just feel like they're less demanding yeah <laughs> it can be yeah yeah i can understand that so for you i think also i think the uh, an exploration of this equanimity practice might be interesting for you to understand but probably it's something for you to understand about yourself about how, how you get triggered how you react your concerns that you have and equanimity practice is sometimes a great way of flushing that out and getting clear clear what's going on inside of you, um, as opposed to thinking the problems out there. I'm not saying the problems in here, but yeah. but that's where you can make the biggest difference is through the practice and how you, it seems like you have a beautiful a, a beautiful thing going with the, your goodwill, your loving kindness, and and it get, it get can't get it purified or get it kind of. I think you would benefit more if uh, if it could come to the forefront without with people without having to worry about getting agitated yeah I think I get reactivated a lot in life mostly because I can't just accept someone's unhappy or they're you know mm-hmm. they're suffering right yeah. now or something's going on and I you know <coughs> I want to be compassionate but part of me is like oh god mm. <laughs> I can't you mm. know great well it's a, maybe it's a good day today to exploration mm-hmm. equanimity
Anything else? Um, my name is Jessica. And, and when we first started going uh, through and like picking situations, I, I had like a flood of situations and people I really felt connected to and I had this really great feeling of of care uh, for people and I feel like that's very inherent and it has been throughout my life of really caring for people very easily um, but then when we come to you know when I come to like resonating with the equanimity around it I can feel like when you talked about imbalance like the imbalance of it and how there's suffering within me and myself um, with almost caring, you know, wanting so much for people to be relieved of their suffering yeah. or to even like to the want for them to know like that I care for them. Um, and I mean, I, the, the specific situation I was thinking of was just yesterday and just I can sense um, like I was caring for the person and then I, and then I pushed you know, I could sense the push and how they felt the push and how I felt it. And, and just kind of reflecting, even in that situation, on uh, maybe bringing in some equanimity yeah. would have, could have possibly opened to, uh, I don't know, just a different energy and resonance of them being able to receive my, yeah. my presence and the care that I, that I was intending for. So That's really well said and it kind of goes along with this day. <clears throat> is that uh, often equanimity, when it's offered alone, it seems like it could be indifferent or like, you know, it's kind of cold or too neutral. But I really see it as being a companion to others that really helps purify them or make them, actually makes them come stronger, and more a resource. So equanimity, in your situation, sounds like uh, uh, equanim- equanimity could actually let your goodwill uh, be actually stronger, more shine more. That uh, can't happen if you're over involved or pushing or something. So thinking of equanimity as a strengthener of the others rather than as a diminisher of the others, which is that some people are afraid about equanimity. Great. Okay. So uh, what I thought we would do is um, take a break, and but to do it in silence. And, uh, and then we'll, so we kind of keep a little bit the meditative space and come back and, and um, do another meditation. And um, so uh, I think we'll take a 15-minute break. We'll start in here at 10, 10.35. And, um, and um, you know, you can do some walking meditation, go to the bathroom, have tea, whatever you need to do, and then come back with 15 minutes. And then Steve uh, is the manager for today. So if you have any questions about being here, uh, you can always check in with him. Great. Thank you.
So equanimity <clears throat> could be understood as a balance of mind where the mind neither pulls back or shrinks or goes forward or attacks. Kind of a non-reactive, unagitated mind. Mind doesn't get agitated in any kind of way or doesn't get sink in any kind of way, but stays balanced, stays at ease. <clears throat> um, and when it uh, combines with the other Brahma-viharas, then uh, it allows the other Brahma-viharas to uh, be there in the cl- cleanest way, in the clearest way. So they support the other ones because as soon as you get agitated, it starts kind of ruffling the waters for each of them. And the place where equanimity uh, is probably the most useful for most people is around compassion. I think for many people they get uh, compassion, there's a lot of hooks in it uh, that we have to, you know, uh, we have to take care of people, have to, we have to act, we have to fix the problem, this is horrible, we get to, you know, this is, you know, we start worrying, we get agitated, um, all kinds of kind of, or it's just too much, I can't deal with it if I, I'm overwhelmed by this kind of pain and if I offer a little kindness, a little support or compassion to this person, uh, they're going to take advantage of me. Next thing I'll know, they'll have to come and they'll be sleeping on my living room couch and, and probably won't ever, you know, leave. And <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, so then the mind gets all worked up and out of the fear around it as well. But uh, it sometimes it's unfortunate because some of these secondary reactions to something like compassion can interfere with the compassion. Actually, sometimes it can actually... Uh, destroy it, disappears. <clears throat> so uh, to find, to start, start exploring and discovering what does it mean to be equanimous with compassion uh, has a lot to do with understanding what are some things that get in the way of the compassion being equanimous or compassion being clean or si- simple, compassion being just compassion without all these secondary things that can be added to it. And it's very important in Buddhist practice that um, to not be too uh, uh, too concerned about living up to the ideals, uh, like being compassionate or equanimous, and be a little bit more concerned with understanding what gets in the way of the ideals, what gets in the way of, for example, the compassion, what gets in the way of the equanimity, what are some of the forces in you where you get worked up and get agitated, or you know, so that, that way you can understand yourself better. And if you understand what goes on, then you can be wise and find healthy ways to go ahead and live up or grow, grow into the ideals. But if you try to make yourself the ideal, I'm going to be compassionate. Uh, you know, I can, in my mind, like if I'm going to make myself compassionate, I'd probably just make myself tense <laughs> and not, not very compassionate. But if I understand, you know, how I'm afraid or how I'm worried or something and deal with that and that falls away, then it's easier to open up to what I like to think of as more of a natural compassion that's there from there and open-hearted and present. And so then it becomes softer, the compassion. It's not like something I'm trying to do. So uh, with that as an introduction, I thought we would do a little meditation on compassion and equanimity. So taking a meditative posture and sitting upright. Gently closing your eyes and taking uh, a few long, slow, deep breaths 
as you breathe in dip deeply to use that to connect to your body, connect to yourself from the inside. <clears throat> Help you feel your body. And as you exhale, let yourself settle into your body, relax. And then letting your breathing return to normal. <clears throat> and as a way of kind of getting yourself a little centered here with your body and your breathing. <clears throat> At the end of the exhale, for a fraction of a second, just a little bit be, be more than what's natural for you, pause before you breathe in. Tenth of a second, twentieth of a second, just a very brief pause. <coughs> if it's relaxed and easy to have the pause be longer, please do. <coughs> And at the end of the pause, when you begin to breathe in, feel a, maybe that, let it, let it the, the in-breath just begin on its own, almost like you get out of the way and let it occur. As you exhale also, if you can, let go of your thoughts, let go of any concerns you have. They might come back, that's okay. Let them drift away as you exhale. So as you come to that pause at the end of the exhale, there's a little moment of silence perhaps, stillness.
And then as you breathe in and out, perhaps you can become aware of the area around your heart, your chest, the heart center. And for a few moments, maybe breathe through that or with that. And then become familiar with what's happening there in the heart center for you. Anything you feel is fine. Just feel it and let it be there as as if it has permission to be there. Breathe with it.
as you're sitting here, see if you can bring to mind some person for whom it's easy and maybe not too big of a deal to have compassion. Someone who has certain challenge in their life, some sufferings, some difficulty that's at this particular time, doesn't re- sitting here in the hall, doesn't require anything of you. Nothing you can do and nothing you should do, maybe. You're just to hear IMC. And see if you can bring to mind this person, their challenge, their difficulty. And hold the person with compassionate regard. Hold the person in your compassion, your care. That you do care. If you could do something, you would. But right now, nothing's needed. Just hold them in your care. Goodwill, compassion, wishing them well. Wishing that their suffering might go away. And if you find it helpful, you can very quietly say the phrase, may you be free of your suffering. May you be free of your difficulties. Partly as a way of just staying on topic, staying connected to this meditation. And imagine yourself in the presence of your person and in the presence of their difficulties, their challenge, their suffering. And what happens to you then? What happens to your compassion? Does your compassion stay the same and balanced and open? If you're actually in the person's presence, does it get more complicated in any way? if you have to interact with them and you certainly care about them, you have compassion, but but what? What might happen to you? What are some of the things that could happen to you where you would get a little bit agitated, worked up, 
concerned, tense, where other things come in besides just simple compassion. And coming back to here, remind yourself you're sitting here in the meditation hall at IMC, your eyes closed perhaps, and nothing you have to do, nothing you have to, nothing's being asked of you. And that it's a powerful thing just to have care for someone else, to have a caring heart, to have compassion. At this particular point, you don't have to do anything. So it's okay to be equanimous about the suffering, about the compassion. Breathe with it. <clears throat> but bring to keep the person in mind that you think is having a challenge or difficulty. And see if you can have what it's like to have compassion and equanimity together compassion and simplicity of being, just simple, ordinary, just compassion. You have space for it, you allow for it, but no no need to think about it much more or figure anything out. And again, if it keeps you on track, you can say the phrases of compassion as you remind yourself of the person, your care for them. May you be free of your suffering.
And then in the last minutes of this meditation, <clears throat> you might let the compassion practice drift away or just let it be <clears throat> and return to your breathing. Be here in a simple way, just breathing in and out and let that be your primary <clears throat> concern. Center yourself on breathing one breath at a time, letting go of your thoughts.
So, almost as a continuation of the meditation, what I'd like to do is to set you up to have a little conversation, a little exercise among yourselves, and um, exp explain it first how you'll do it, and then um, you can set yourself up. And the idea is, I think we are more or less multiples of four here, so maybe you can be, uh, find three other people to sit with in a little circle. And uh, kind of sit in the way you would if you were going to meditate, more or less, you know, be comfortable, but to kind of get together and, and because compassion, talking about compassion and relationship to compassion and the difficulties with it, I think is almost a sacred thing. So to, like you're entering into some caring, sacred, very special kind of conversation. So it's not an ordinary conversation of just, you know, but it's something a little bit more maybe reverent or caring or careful or something. So sit yourself in a little circle. And um, and then uh, there'll be two sets of, uh, two topics to discuss, and I'll tell you the first one, and then later I'll ring a bell and tell you the second. <coughs> and um, But the way to uh, talk about the topic is to uh, offer just one little piece, to, uh, some response to it, some answer to the question. But don't, don't give all the answers you could. You know, don't, and don't, don't tell like a long story. You can tell a little story if it helps clarify what you're saying. But mostly what you're there is to listen to other people. That's your, one of your exercises. It's an exercise in listening and caring and holding the space for someone else. So offer your, your answer to the question in a simple way. Let the next person do it and hold the space for them. <clears throat> Go around the circle and it'll come back to you and then you can offer your next thing that you have. You might have a number of things you can answer and say, and then you offer the next thing and it goes around that way. But because it goes around, you hear other people, <clears throat> you might think about things you normally wouldn't think about if you just had a monologue, if you were first to jump in and you spoke everything you could possibly say in the topic. But you actually are changed by hearing other people say and prompts new ideas and new reflections, and then you offer something else. And the topic is, <clears throat> um, the question is, um, what uh, prevents your compassion from being equanimous? What gets in the way of your care for others, your compassion, from being equanimous? <clears throat> um, and, um, and that's the first question. So that makes sense, the exercise, how to do it? <clears throat> Any questions about it? Or? And, um, <clears throat> okay, so uh, if you could just form groups of four, and if we're somehow not quite a multiple group of four, why don't you come towards the front and I'll help you to connect another group. <clears throat> So there's the second half of this. <clears throat> so you can stay where you are. You can stay where you are. And now the second half of the conversation. And that is, and this might be, maybe, maybe I don't know if it's more difficult, maybe it's more difficult because it's uh, even more subjective. But in your su uh, subjective way, in your way, like, you know, how you experience it or how you think you experience it, what it's really like for you. What's, what's the experience like for you? What do you think it's like for you uh, to have equanimity as part of compassion. 
what's that, what, you know, how would you experience, what's, the, what's that experience like? And, um, and, it, and also, and what's it like, what's it like, like in your body? What's it like in your mind? What does it feel like? What's it like emotionally? Uh, uh, what, what's, it, what's the, the subjective experience like when those two things come together? Compassion and equanimity. Equanimous compassion. And the same thing, go around the circle and just offer one thing. And maybe not a long, you know, not, there doesn't have to be a long explanation. Just offer something. Remember, this is a more, a more listening exercise than in a speaking exercise. So you're looking forward to a chance to listen. And then uh, you just go around and see what comes up. And as uh, people speak, it might prompt you to think of new things or realize new things about yourself. And you can share those as well. Okay? So go ahead. Thank you. us a check-in a little bit about those conversations. The first thing I'd like to ask you before talking about the topic is what was it like that format to have that conversation that way in a circle? Could that something at work? Could you do it? Was it useful? Was it not useful? What was it like? Some, someone like it? I wasn't part of it, so I don't know. <clears throat> so you I liked the, for, the format very much because each person spoke and I kept reminding myself that I was there to listen mm-hmm. because I love to talk <laughs> and have much to say. And so it was good practice for me to remind myself, listen. Great. So Thank I you. liked it a lot. Okay, good. Someone else? Yeah, oh, yeah, but remember to say your name when you speak. So, Trudy. I'm Trudy. <clears throat> Sylvie, and um, to um, go on with what she was saying, I, I thought that first the number of four people and the going around was, was, I never experienced that before, and I felt that very valuable because um, by waiting for my turn and hearing different viewpoints, I think everything that other people said kind of build on something and help me see some things more clearly um, as opposed to having a two-way conversation, which is kind of usually my preference. Great. Thank you. Here, this is Steve in the front. (coughs) I am also... I'm Sigal. And I uh, really liked it also. I feel like it makes me really think about it. Like my first answers tend to be something that is just maybe kind of to get rid of, of, of the burden of having to answer. <laughs> but then as the circle goes around, and 
I think it's like a spiral. Everybody mm. starts going deeper and deeper, yes. and and they have more meaningful things to say. And it's it's amazing to listen, and mm. it's amazing to explore Great. in myself. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to hear all this. So then, um, in terms of the con- topic of the conversation, uh, did were any of you um, uh, happily surprised by something you discovered, something you realized, understood in the course of that conversation, either because you heard it from them or because it prompted you to think or see yourself in a new way? Or were you surprised by anything? And if you were surprised by what someone else said, I don't think you should refer to them by name, like that person said. <laughs> <clears throat> I think I think we should kind of like you know it's okay, maybe okay to say it someone said but just I think a little bit keep people you know I don't know if confidential is the right word here but something close to that. So anybody like to say anything you discovered in the process? Of that yes. It's always just such a huge relief to understand that other people feel basically the same things that mm-hmm. I do. Mm. So. Um, you know, we all sort of share the same concerns and it's... Great, the challenges of equanimity and mm-hmm. compassion, yes. Great, so it takes the burden off being the only one on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, your name. Say, everybody say your name. I'm Ginny. And... Um, I think the thing for me was to realize how I had never thought how important compassion is to be equanimous. And then the other thing we had to go around with um, how important forgiveness is Mm. to be equanimous as well. Nice. Great. Thank you. Um, it was the first question it seems like everybody was it was easy that because everybody tried to fix the problem being compassion but not equanimous but when we had to answer the second question how, how does it feel to be to be compassionate and equanimous we had a kind of struggle mm, yeah. and I, I felt like I felt connected to everybody in my circle because mm. I'm going through the same thing it's hard to, to have both yes I can understand that and uh, yeah I, I, if you remember I prefaced the question with saying this is probably the most difficult one to answer so that's not a surprise what you just said but I hopefully it was useful to explore it and stretched you Yes. Um, our group found it useful to uh, that you have hooked up equanimity with the other three yeah. traits, because I don't know if we made. I didn't make that connection beforehand, and it makes a lot of sense. Mm, nice. Good. Oh, you remember? Keep remember saying your names, please. Um, my name is Janet, um, and what came up for me and really surprised me during the the discussion we had was the uh, high level of self judgment. Mm. All around, because 
Or in yourself or in others? Oh, myself. Oh, in yourself. Oh, my own, yes. <laughs> my judgment of myself. Uh, and that gets, certainly gets away of both compassion and equanimity, I would think. No? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Janet. Okay. Any questions you have about this so far? Anything you'd like to raise or any direction you want this conversation to go? Yes. Um, I asked a question in in the circle. um, Is how do you deal with being compassionate and and equanimous? For me, it there is a time connotation. Like I feel like a time connotation in a sense that I'm listening to someone suffering, and I feel that I can be compassionate and equanimous. Um, But when the conversation ends. instead of feeling kind of at peace because I did that, I feel unequanimous because I, I get like so worked out as like, no, I, now I, I own the problem. What am I going to do to fix it? Uh-huh. Uh, but it, it, I didn't say that to the person in front of them in the moment. Yeah. You know? So is equanimity some kind of you know, continuum or... Or how does that work with compassion in time, over time? So it's possible to be compassionate and equanimous and to act. So, and sometimes it's important to act, you know, as we take care of things. And we're not supposed to just be good Buddhists by, you know, sit there and be compassionate and equanimous and let the world fall apart. You know, <laughs> you know, you know acting is important. So if, if there's something you can do, and if you know what's appropriate to do in a circumstance, then, um, you know, it's, it's a great thing to do it. And so it would be strange if you just relied on your compassion equanimity to do nothing. And if you left doing nothing. But to have the wisdom to know what you can do. If your friend has, can- if your friend has cancer, uh, you're not going to cure her cancer. But you might drive her to the doctor. Right, so you, so you have to know what, what you can offer. So is, is responding to you or yes I guess my that it, my question was when you don't know what to do um, I guess you maybe have answered it in the second part I feel I don't know because I can't fix the big problem but I could think of a small problem I can fix for the person is it what you're saying yeah and, uh, and some people don't like to be fixed uh, they like to be they like to be uh, supported, and so you might look at your look at what, what the connotations you have, the uh, what you associate fixing with, and um, and see if maybe uh, what happens if you think of that uh, you, you're going to offer support. Fixing kind of implies you're responsible, and it's a terrible thing to take responsibility away from someone. It actually does maybe does them more harm than good. But support means they're responsible. So, you know, how can I support you in this? And I might have a big, I maybe have a big role of supporting you, but let me know how I can support you. That make sense? Okay. Anybody else? One more thing before we do, or I want to end with a little meditation. Feels complete enough? Okay, so let's uh, sit and we'll... um
So we've been exploring a little bit how equanimity is a partner with the other Brahmaviharas, how um, equanimity allows each other Brahmavihara to be there in a cleaner way, a fuller way, and um, so it's a support for these others. And, um, and so this last little time before lunch, 15 minutes, just a few short meditation, we'll do the third Brahmaviharas of, uh, of joy. Uh, sympathetic joy, appreciative joy, and um, so sit up straight, close your eyes, And take a few long, slow, deep breaths. Settle into your body. And there's an art of sitting up straight with a spine a little bit maybe straighter than normal. And then keeping the spine straight, relaxing, letting your kind of give in to gravity so that your shoulders relax a little bit but you don't slouch. Your belly hangs forward. And in whatever way that you can, in this experience of being in a body, can you feel your way into your body in an appreciative way? Even if you feel some discomfort in your body, let that be, but can you now focus for a few moments on breathing and feeling your body to feel what is good in your body, the sensations, the feelings. That part of your physical experience, which is a blessing to have that you're I have the fortune to have 10 fingers, if that's what you have, whatever. Here you are with your body. And breathing with this body of yours, breathing into the, what's good in your body, what feels right. Breathe into relaxing, settling into your body.
Now bring to mind some person that you know who has or is having now good fortune. Something's going well for this person. Something is successful, there's some happiness, something's going well with them. Could be something very simple. It could be that your neighbor just got a puppy and you're wanting a puppy for a long time. It could be someone who's has some good circumstance in their life right now. Bring to mind someone who has some degree of fortune or happiness in their life. for whom it's easy for you, relatively easy for you, to be happy that this is the case. It's it's inspiring for you, it's joyful for you to know of their good fortune. many things that can interfere with a clean, open sharing of their joy, of their fortune, feeling of sympathetic joy. There could be jealousy, there could be thoughts that they don't deserve it, there could be comparisons to oneself, where, oh no, you know, it's, it's hard for me, and this is not fair, There's not enough good fortune to go around and that person's hogging it. So consider the person's good fortune and see if you can bring an equanimity to it. Meaning that you just let your happiness and your happiness for them be there very simply without anything extra without judging it or worried about it or comparing it to anything else. Just allowing the simplicity of that good fortune and that happiness just to be with you and to help you stay on track and stay with this reflection and keep thinking about it. You can, without getting too complicated, you can very simply say the phrase, may your good fortune continue. May your good fortune continue. Exploring what it's like to be equanimous around your joy for them.
in what way could you feel delight in the good fortune of others? What gets in the way of clean, simple delight? To have equanimity, <clears throat> to, to have equanimity together with joy, means to let the joy be present in its simplicity, as if it has permission to be there. It's completely okay to be joyful, but we don't indulge in it. We don't get excited by it but we also don't hold back from it. And with equanimity, there can be a clean feeling and joy.
So, equanimity is the protector of our love. Equanimity protects the other Brahma-viharas so they can be themselves in a full way, in a complete way. Equanimity is what keeps our reactivity, our despair, our self-preoccupations, all kinds of things from interfering, getting in the way or getting entangled with uh, love. So equanimity is a very important thing and um, very supportive and and it can be seen as an expression of love because to want love to be protected, love be pure, clean, um, to bring equanimity, to explore it with equanimity um, is a way of um, caring for that whole domain. So it's a protector, equanimity is a protector of love. It doesn't diminish the love. And um, same thing with the joy. It protects the joy, but it doesn't diminish it. Though, uh, you know, the, they say the near enemy of uh, sympathetic joy is g- giddiness. <clears throat> and so equanimity protects your joy from giddiness. So maybe you don't want that, but (laughs) sometimes it's fun to be giddy, but, but, uh, you know, it's not the same thing as kind of clean joy. So, um, so that was the introduction for today. We'll take an hour for lunch in the afternoon. We'll explore equanimity some more and some of the, a very important part of the equanimity of Brahma Viharas has to do with wisdom. And uh, so uh, certain understandings that we, or perspectives that we can bring on our experience in our life and on people. And uh, the, the perspectives and support make it easier to uh, have equanimity. And some of these perspectives, some of these understandings have their ch- are challenging in their own way. So they're very interesting to grapple with and discuss and we'll explore at least one of them this afternoon. So um, it's now 12.15. So we'll start again in here at 1.15. And uh, so lunch is a time, if you, if you brought your lunch or staying here for lunch, uh, it's a time to hang out and talk with other people if you'd like. You're welcome to be quiet and go sit someplace by yourself. But I think part of the richness of this kind of day is meeting with people and chatting and maybe continuing some of the conversation or seeing what arises based on this day. Um, it's probably warm enough that some of you want to take the tables outside in the back parking lot and chairs. You're welcome to sit out there. Otherwise set up tables in the outer hall here and there's a microwave and tea you can have and enjoy your company, enjoy your lunch. Thank you.